us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you would help me to help me to bring out your word. Help me to um, show your uh, truth. Like help me to um, you know, just submit to your spirit as as I unpack the the words in the psalm today. I, I pray that you would um, just uh, speak through me and despite me. Um, and I, I pray for the folks who are here today that their hearts would be uh, fertile soil to hear from you and to know you. In Christ's name, amen. Um, one of the, we're in Psalm 27. One of the, the images I, I really kind of attached to as I, as I was uh, studying this um, is this idea of a high hiding place. Um, and it reminded me um, when I was... When I was in Israel a few years ago, and I looked for a picture, I really wanted a picture to put up and show y'all, but I couldn't find, I know I took pictures of it, I, I took pictures of just about everything, um, but I, uh, I, I couldn't find the photo I took. Um, but, but on the Sea of Galilee, uh, it's kind of a, a bowl, right? And down in the bottom is this, you know, inland sea, and um, a river kind of runs, you know, north to south-ish. Uh, and, and, you know, empties out in the Dead Sea at the bottom there. Um, but there are mountains on either side of the Sea of Galilee. And on the uh, western side, there's a cliff face, right? This, I mean, just enormous cliff face. And John's nodding because he's been there. Um, and, and on this cliff face, there are all these tiny little caves, um, and you can see them. And, in fact, actually, most of y'all could, I mean, if you want to picture this, uh, when you're driving through Loma, right, just before you get to the city coming away from Great Falls, on the right-hand side, I always look for it, there's a spot on one of the cliff faces that's just a cave. And it's, it's about halfway up, and every time I drive by it, I think, I wonder if there's anything in there apart from, you know, bat poo and, like, anything else. I mean, there's no way to get up there, Right. And I I've sometimes I'll think, well, maybe you could go down from the top and get in. Or I'm like, how would you even, you know, approach this, this cave? Do you all know the one I'm talking about? Like, Larry, that's it. <laughs> um, but the, the whole side, the whole cliff face there um, is these tiny little caves like that. And um, in, the, in the ancient world, um, there was a, a group of Jewish zealots who... Uh, scaled the face of this this cliff and dug them out and there are like rooms behind them now and they're there um and it's actually it's pretty interesting and and the idea there is like and we're going to touch on it in this text um you know where where the psalmist is asking for protection and safety which is what most of us you know that that's a pretty fundamental desire for people right i mean and and if you don't believe me if you look at the beginning of covid19 like the uh, the big shortage was toilet paper, right? Followed by ammunition and paper towels, but that was a part of toilet paper. Um, and and the reason being, like, I need to be safe, I need to be comfortable, I need to be protected, right? And and the request the psalmist is bringing is like, make me safe, make me, you know, protected, make me comfortable, and, like, give me assurance in this. And like like we look for that as a natural part of being a human is to look for this safety. It's it's wired into our our um, very nature and so like the psalmist is going to talk about being put up on a rock and that's the idea here put me in this spot that is utterly inaccessible 
that, that keeps me safe, where I can sit above my enemies and look down. And, and so we're going to dive into this text, and I want you to have that image in your mind of being able to go and hide out in a spot that is, that is untouchable. Um, you know, and, and, and so, like, we'll, we'll get to that, but that's the image I want you to, to have. Um, the Psalms, again, like we've talked about this a bit, uh, they're this literary genre. And so preaching the Psalms is a little different than preaching any other text because there's a lot of humanity in them. And there's a lot of complaint and crying out for help and, like, worry and everything else. And this one in particular, Psalm 27, is loaded with that. Um, the surrounding Psalms, there's all this thematic stuff that happens. Because, like, the Psalms were originally written not in order, right? Like, it's, it's not as though they originally had Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3. Like, like David and, and, and his uh, successors didn't think... Well, I'm going to call this one Psalm 23. You know, this is, it's not how it happened. Um, The Psalms were originally collected and ordered many, many years after they were written. And they were ordered in, like, terms of themes and, um, like, when they were written and stuff like that. There's a mixture of stuff. Um, But the Psalm surrounding this one, um, there's a recurring theme um, related to God's temple like the temple or God's house. And um, part of that is because, uh, like, in the ancient world, like before Jesus shows up, all of the Jewish faith centers around the temple. Like, if you were going to sacrifice, you had to do it at the temple. If you were going to give, you did it at the temple. If you were going to, and, like, you had to go to the temple to get your kids circumcised, or you had to go to the temple to, like, um, um, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, the long and short of it is the temple was the center of everything, and so, like, for... Um, The Davidic era, like the tabernacle and then Solomon, the temple and so forth, like the temple was the middle of all of this stuff. Um, You flash forward to the exile and they wanted to go back to the temple, which had been destroyed. And so they desired to see a new temple. And so there's a whole lot of weight in this, like historically. Um, We're going to skip that last part. I'll work it as we go. Because it's taking me way too long to get to the text. And I said I was going to go short today. And John mocked me. So, (laughs) challenge accepted. Um, All right, Psalm 27 is bookended, right? The first verse and the last two verses are in theme. And actually, like, um, technically it's the first three, but I broke them up because I think that they work better this way. Um, But they're in theme. And the theme is, um, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I, I like this image I, I read um, talking about this passage. Uh, they compared it to Calvin and Hobbes. Y'all are familiar? Like, it's a, a, a little insane child is an imaginary friend. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, I know, it was a joke. Come on. <laughs> so there's, there's a series of Calvin and Hobbes strips where he's in bed at night and he's scared of the dark. And there are eyes under his bed. And he has back and forth arguments with the monsters under his bed. And he's terrified of the dark. He's terrified of the stuff that's out there. And the one thing, everybody was a kid once, right? The one thing that saves you when it's dark and there are monsters under your bed is that switch on the wall or the nightlight, which is also good. But sometimes the nightlight just illuminates the monsters a little better because the shadows have a... You know, and he's saying, well, my light, my salvation, if you kind of put this in perspective, Psalm 23, a few passages ago, 
or a few chapters ago, talks about, like, you know, even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, like, even though I'm in the darkness and I'm in this scary place, like, the light will bring me, like, courage. God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And, like, this is the ultimate statement of trust, right? My dad can beat up your dad. My God can pretty much wipe out anybody who's going to stand up against me or anybody who's going to threaten me or any danger that's going to, like, face me. My God can do anything. He is my salvation. He is my stronghold. When you think stronghold, think fortress. Think big cave in the wall that nobody's going to touch, right? Because if you tried, like, if you tried to scale that wall to get the the Jewish zealots hiding there, um, they would dump rocks on you or shoot you or whatever. I mean, it was not, like... You just couldn't assault something like that. Um, and so this statement of assurance, God is taking care of me. God is in control. I am confident. I have no fear. Everybody gets that here, right? Nothing to be afraid of. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Meaning, like when the enemy charges in, they're the ones who are going to fail. They're the ones who are going to struggle. I'm, I'm reading a book on uh, the Battle of Thermopylae, uh, um, which was an ancient, that's the 300 fight, only it was like 4,000 because it wasn't just 300. But like the, the Spartans and the Greeks, actually just the Greeks, when they were fighting the Medo-Persians, the Persians had all kinds of difficulty because they were not equipped to fight the Spartans. And so, like, as they were fighting, just their shields alone, they would hit the Spartan shields, and the shields were concave, and their shields would slide off, and it would throw them off balance. And they had trouble fighting against the Greeks because they couldn't ever get a firm hold to push because all Greek warfare was just pushing. It was a giant shoving match with pokey things. Um, And so, like, for the the psalmist, he's saying, listen, my enemies come against me. They're the ones who are going to have no footing. They're the ones who are going to fall on their faces. They're the ones who are going to slip and fall. They will not have purchase against me. Why? Because my God is bigger than your God. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even even then I will be confident. Um. There's this, uh, this, this idea with ancient cities. An ancient city needed two things, right? needed a really good wall, and it needed water. If you had those two things, you could, like, actually hang out in a city forever, right? Like you, that, and, in fact, actually, if you read about ancient sieges, though an army besieges me, as long as you had a big enough wall and you had a place to get water because it's, you know, the desert, um, you were safe. And so, like, for an ancient reader, like, though an army besieged me, you can almost picture, like, an army gathering up outside, and I know my God is strong enough, and I know my God is going to, like, take care of me. He's going to give me water when I'm thirsty. He's going to provide for my needs. My God is strong. My God is a provider. And he says, listen, I'm not afraid because this is who my God is. My heart won't falter. I won't be afraid. Nothing, nothing can stop me. Um, There's this ancient account um, of the Battle of Masada. Uh, which is a pretty interesting story where um, a mountain in the middle of the desert, and it is straight up like a butte in the middle of the desert. It is, uh, if you imagine like the butte over here as you're driving up into Haver with a wall around it, 
uh, at the top, like where the Jews hid, like 300 Jews hid up there as the Roman army gathered underneath them. And they're like, we got a tall wall and we got water and you will never get us and our hearts will not falter. And they were quite brave until the Romans built a giant ramp up the side of the mountain <laughs> and used that ramp to kick in the, the doors. And, and in the end, rather than be captured, they, they all killed themselves, right? Like, but the idea being, you give me a tall wall and water, you can't stop me. The problem is, the problem is that what the psalmist is talking about is God being his defense, right? We don't like that. I don't know about you guys, I don't like that, right? Because I, I have a gun cabinet in my bedroom, just in case, Right? I can trust God to save me, but I'll, I'll, I'll trust God in Taurus, right? Or I'll trust God in Smith & Wesson. Like, it's a really hard thing to say, I trust God. I, I trust God and my army of lawyers. I trust God and my 401k plan. I trust God and this facade I have put up in my life to keep people from knowing that I'm a sinful and broken man. Like, I trust God and... Um, you know, my, the people who save me from my problems, like, but you know, the cops or my parents or whatever, like I trust God in these things. Like we don't like the idea of like, I trust God in like nothing else. We like our walls. We like our guns. We like our protection and our safety. Um, for the ancient Jews, like there's some great examples. Like they went into exile originally because they offended God. And when the time came to fight against the enemy, they tried to make a treaty with the Egyptians to fight with them. And God's like, hey, the Egyptians are your enemies and like they used to enslave you. Remember, don't treaty with them. If you do, I will abandon you. And they're like, well, that's great, God. We trust you. But we really trust the Egyptian chariots. And then the Babylonians showed up and they ran over the Egyptians. And all of a sudden they had a problem because everything in the world that can be taken away from you like that's temporal, isn't God, and it is not a safety. There is no safety in anything that moth and rust can destroy, right? And that's why we store up our treasure elsewhere. And that's why though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Because the thing that makes us safe, the thing that makes us um, courageous and gives us confidence is God's protection. One thing I ask from the Lord. So like our first movement in this psalm is, I trust God, he will keep me safe. He is my fortress. He is my protector. He is my big gun. You know, he is the power in my corner, right? Um, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. By the way, there's a temple theme, right? And the house of the Lord there refers to, like the word house is translated house of the Lord because like it's often translated that way. But the connotation is temporary dwelling or booth or tent, um, which is a drawback to the Exodus, where the Jews are wandering around in the desert and they're like, hey, God, you are amongst us. We are on our way to the promised land and I'm going to trust you along the way. Um, why would he draw that out? Why would he bring it out? Because it's a reminder. Look, my God saved us when we were slaves in Egypt. And my God brought us back later, though this psalm was written before then, um, later the, the Jews in exile, like as their slaves in um, Babylon, would look at this and say, my God will bring me home the way he brought us home in the Exodus. And this psalm became this huge, like, 
drawing inspiration. Um, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Um, and so tent, uh, tabernacle is played in there. Where's that verse? That would be uh, verse, dwell in the house of the Lord all the days, gaze on the beauty of the Lord, seek him in his temple. Uh, oh, shelter of his sacred tent. That's the next verse. Sorry. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling, and he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, meaning like the tabernacle. Um, and he will set me high upon a rock. And so he is comparing, like you get to the end of that, he'll set me upon a high, ro- high upon a rock. Like the idea is God will protect me in such a way that I am untouchable. Like the cave in Loma. You know, you might chase me, but I'm up here. Come get me. Right? Try to climb up here. See what happens. You know, and it's not like they had cannons back then. You couldn't shoot in. You know, it was a really hard thing to assault a cave or a high place. And the idea here is, God, all I want is to seek your face. All I want to do is see you in your beauty. I want to know you. And there's a, like kind of a technical connotation in the way that he says, seek your face. Um, part of the idea there is, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Right, which is a weird way to read that, but it is like in the in the Hebrew, it's the implication, like that. Um, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Uh, gaze upon your beauty and seek Him in His temple. That seek Him in His temple there is a reference to God. I'm going to come to you, and I need you to tell me how to live. I need you to tell me how to act. And so, like, part of what the psalm is telling us is, I'm not going to be afraid of my enemies because God's going to save me, but also he's going to direct my feet, right? You can almost think of, like, uh, Joshua marching around the city, like the worst battle plan of all times, right? You know, hey, we're going to march around the city and blow our horns for a week and then see what happens. And you've got to imagine that, that you know, the French peas, I mean, the... Uh, <laughs> The Jerichoans are on the walls mocking and lying. And they were, like, actually, we know that, that they were mocking the, Egypt, the Israelites as they marched around because, like, Joshua went to God and said, all right, God, what are we supposed to do? And God says, march around the city. This is my instruction. And so part of what keeps us safe isn't just that God protects us. He tells us how to act. He tells us how to fight. He tells us how to respond. Um, you see this in the Gideon, like, attacking the Philistines, Right? You know, their, their battle plan is terrible. You know, well, we got 5,000 soldiers. Send most of them home, and 300 of us are going to attack these guys. And not only are we going to attack them, like, with, you know, far too few people, but we're going to do it with, like, torches and horns. I, it's a terrible plan, but it worked. It's almost as terrible as when your enemy strikes you on your right cheek, turn to him the other. How do you win a fight doing that? I don't know, but it conquered the Roman Empire. Nobody else managed that. Like, not in its prime. Um, it's conquered, like, the teachings of Christ have conquered some of the most horrible things. Like, like um, Newton, uh, who wrote uh, Amazing Grace, uh, was, who was a slave trader. Like, he was converted and, like, like, fought for abolition and bought people out of slavery and died, like, poor as dirt and wrote Amazing Grace because... The Holy Spirit pierced him because the gospel broke him and brought him to salvation. Like God's battle plan is always nonsense because the foolishness of God is far wiser than the wisdom of men. But we might look at it and say, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't get this. Um, And so what the psalmist is saying is, look, God, 
I want to see you. I want to be in your presence. I want to know you. I want to be close to you. But tell me how I'm supposed to do this. Tell me how I'm supposed to do this. Last verse in the second movement, which relates to this idea of God protecting and God exalting and like sort of the mechanics of it. Then my head will be exalted. So if I trust God and I obey, like I seek out his direction and I'm protected by him, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. Again, like high rock enemies surround me. If you can imagine sitting up in the cave and looking down at the bad guys and saying, "Ah, I'm safe. You can't stop me. You can't touch me. My God made me safe. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make music to the Lord. And so he ends this little second movement with, when I am exalted, when I am saved, I'll worship and I'll sing and I'll be joyful because I knew my God would protect me. I knew my God would save me. So the second movement is done. Now we get to the situation, which is crazy. The first, So far, this is optimistic as, as I'll get out, right? I mean, this is like super optimistic. Everything is good. I trust God. He will save me. God will put me in this high place. God will protect me. He'll, you know, all I want is to know him and seek his ways, and that'll make me victorious and raise me above my enemies. And then seven, hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me, and do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. And so this is our first indication that things aren't right. And so he's saying, I am safe. I trust God. Everything is okay. And then he's like, all right, having said all that, Lord, listen, I need help. Anybody, I'm like a one way or the other guy. Either the world is awesome or like set it all on fire, I quit. You know what I mean? Like, and that's David kind of transitions here. He's like, I trust God no matter what. All right, God, now life is miserable right now. Can you please pay attention? Like, <laughs> can you come save me, please? And there is a real contrast here. It is optimistic and joyful and, oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble. Um, years ago, I took a group of kids uh, up in Minnesota. We went on this uh, camping, hiking trip. And uh, we got lost on our – well, we didn't get lost on our way back. We ran out of time. We, we dawdled. And we had a pickup time. We were supposed to be on the shore at this pickup location. And we, we had like a day's worth of paddling to do in about a half a day. And we're all sitting around and discussing how to fix this problem instead of paddling. Um, and one of the adults who was with us was like, hey, look at that part of the map. That looks like it will be a great shortcut. And none of us examined the map closely to see the red dotted line that said, do not enter this area, not a tourist area, do not travel here. And we ended up paddling through, like, significant rapids. And we ended up, like, we hit a spot where, like, the water was so rough we had to carry our canoes up a cliff face to get around the rapids because we would have died and we tried to go through it. We had spots where we had to, like, shove our canoes down river empty and then try and catch up with them on land because it was just – there was no way we were getting through. And, like, like you look at that and you say, well, this is awful, but I know there's a landing at the end of this, and I'll be done, and I get to go home then, right? Like, I remember climbing a rock face with a teenager, like a recovering drug addict teenager behind me, and we're, like, pushing our canoe up this rock one step at a time and it's exhausting we're all tired and a few times I'm like man I I quit this is awful but I know there's an end right 
I know there's a destination. I know we're going home when we're done with this. That's the idea here. The psalmist begins by saying, listen, God, I'm tired. I'm hurting. Everything is broken. Everything is miserable. I need help. Don't turn away from me. You are my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Again, encouraging. My mom and dad turned their backs on me, but I know God will save me. Everything is, everything is awful. To Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Meaning, God, I'm stuck. Tell me what I'm supposed to do because I don't know the way through this. I got enemies in front of me and I don't know how to get through them. I don't know how to march past this point. I don't know how to, how to walk your path. What am I supposed to do, God? What am I supposed to do? Everybody's turning on me. The people who love me most aren't even on my team anymore. How, how do I get out of this? Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. So... A lot of scholars read this line and assume that there's some sort of legal challenge happening here, right? Because false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. And so the idea being like, hey, I'm in this spot and everybody is turning against me because of these guys who are lying about me, who are standing in court and like, like being false witnesses and spouting malicious accusations. And he's like, God, I'm in this spot where everybody is my enemy. Nobody is on my team. Just show me how to walk through this. He started with, I trust God, he'll save me. He goes to, like, God, I'm in trouble. Help me. Show me how to get out of this. There are enemies everywhere. They're lying about me. They're trashing me. Help me. Sounds hopeful? And we go on to 13 and 14 where the psalm ends. I remain confident in, in this. And so this is the bookend. This is where he started. This is where he ended. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And so he ends with everything's broken, but God's going to save me. Everything's broken, but he's going to take care of me. Everything's broken, but I know this is the truth. And so, like, I might wake up in the morning and I can't see the sun because it's overcast. But I know the sun's still there. I, I may not be able to see what I'm supposed to do, but I know God is taking care of me, even in this rotten situation, even in this miserable thing. I know God is taking care of me. How do we apply this? What do we do with this? First off, um, this is not a promise of a happy ending in this life, right? Um, we as believers know that our confidence is in Christ. Like, Jesus poured out his blood for me. He bought me from, like, the death that I had coming, from the punishment that I had coming. He paid that price. He was punished in my place. I am forgiven. I am given grace because Christ died for me. And so no matter who stands up against me, um, I know the Holy Spirit will walk me through that situation. Like Paul, or Jesus said, um, hey, when you stand before rulers, don't worry about what you're going to say. God will give you the words, right? doesn't matter what's coming. He'll take care of me. He'll guide me in his paths. Christ has taught me how I'm to be like him, and like that's my job. And I am saved because his blood is poured out for me. And so I can wait on the Lord, and I may not survive this, 
but I know I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know I'm heading there. Now, here's the tricky part. It is so easy to tell God what his thoughts are. Um, the zealots I talked about, the caves, um, they had started a war with Rome trying to gain independence. And they hid in those caves, and they were the last of the Jewish resistance, and they were hiding out in their high and safe place. John, do you know what happened to them? The Romans developed a special weapon because they're looking at these caves and saying, how do we get those guys out of there? And so they developed this special weapon where they basically took a giant tree and tied chains to either end and installed spears, and they just rolled it over the edge, and it swung down and smashed into their high and careful place. And guess what happened? (laughs) Nothing good. Because at the end of the day, hiding in a cave, it's just a cave. Hiding behind my politician who will save me, it's just a man. Hiding behind my wealth, it's paper. Hiding behind my fake face, like, you know, I got all this sin in my life and I'm drowning in it, but everybody thinks I'm doing okay because I, I keep this front and, and I'm going to fight it by myself. At the end of the day, it's just a facade. It's just a mask. Hide behind my alcohol. Hide behind my pornography. I feel good when I'm hiding here. Misery like painted white. The only thing that saves us is God. The only thing that saves us is Christ's death for us. The only thing that saves us, the only thing that will rescue us, the only thing that will bring us salvation is not our superiority. It's not our cave that we can hide in. It's not our high walls that will eventually get knocked down. It is Christ. His confidence isn't in the city of Jerusalem, which was a very difficult city to capture. Right In several thousand years, it was captured by David, who cheated. He did. Um, and then the Babylonians sacked it, and I think the Romans later did. But like it, that's three times in the space of about 6,000 years. I mean, it's a really rough city. Um, but those walls didn't save David. He never stood back and said, I trust in Jerusalem. I trust in my walls. I trust in my army. I trust in my right arm. I trust in my mighty men. No, he trusted in God only thing that saves us in times of difficulty. And so we stand back and we say, COVID-19 is everywhere. We're all going to die. Maybe. I mean, it is a possibility. Um, But God saves me. Perhaps not in this life. Perhaps what's going to save me is going to be in the next life. Perhaps I'll stand before the Lord and the strategy I'm commanded to follow of turn the other cheek and share the gospel and pray for your enemies and love people who persecute you. And, like, go the extra mile with them and all this other stuff. Perhaps that strategy is going to result in me getting my head cut off. Happened to Paul. Um, But I'm still victorious because if I'm obedient to Christ, if I belong to Jesus, I'm saved, even if I'm not saved in the temporal sense. No army can breach God's walls. What is it that Christ said? Don't be afraid of men who kill the body. Don't be afraid of the God who can... Kill your soul in hell, right? My challenge for you right now, my encouragement as we come up on the end of this, like, I, I love the 4th of July. I grew up on military bases, and my dad was in the Air Force, and I am, you know, I, I, I like, love the 4th of July. I love America. I love where I'm from. But at the end of the day, America won't save me. Jesus saves me. At the end of the day, the rocket's red glare won't save me. The blood of Christ, like the red blood of Christ saves me. 
Like as we're here today, as we you know, go out in a world that's constantly in conflict and everybody's so constantly angry. And I'm not saying that America's a bad thing. Don't hear me say that. Don't. Eric hates America. No, I'm not saying that. I am saying at the end of the day, it's only Christ. At the end of the day, it is only Christ. There's only God's spirit in me. There's only his blood poured out for me. There's only God's like grace that saves me from my sins, saves me from me. Anywhere else I hide is an idol. My challenge for you as you walk out the door is to ask yourself, like, you know, are you enjoying God's blessing or are you making them into protection for you? Are you enjoying his grace on your life or are you seeking comfort in the world? Are you in a time of difficulty and hurt and terror and looking for a solution in in the armies around you? Or are you turning to God and saying, hey, show me the way I'm going to walk with you? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that will save you from your difficulty, from your sin, from your struggle, from your depression, from your anxiety, from your misery, is Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us and help us to turn to Jesus over and over again in this time. Um, Just with so much fighting, so much anger, and so much misery, and, you know, people idolizing, you know, politicians and ideologies themselves and and you know people idolizing comfort and you know uh, pornography and alcohol and and um you know and sin in general their own strength and their own positive thinking and everything else lord with all of this stuff that that our culture tells us is god is our salvation is our our safety and our rescue lord with all of it um help us to trust in you over and over and over again help us to turn to you for salvation over again praise you lord for being the god of my salvation i praise you lord for putting me in a high and protected place not one that can be assaulted and broken down not one that that you know is of this world and will eventually fall apart but one that's made out of your blood and your spirit and your family in christ's name amen have a good sunday folks